Hello, friends. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. On today's episode, we have some of my good friends, Halim Kuchar and Susie Rogers. We'll be talking about their grad trip to South America, where they went to Cusco, Machu Picchu, and Patagonia. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode because you're going to get an in-depth perspective of their day-to-day life climbing the Inca Trail, as well as experiencing Torre de Bane in Patagonia. If you haven't done so already, give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and we hope you have a great day. We'll see you in South America. Today on the show, I have some of my good friends, Susie and Halim. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. We're excited. It's exciting. This is my first podcast I've recorded with multiple people, so we'll see how it goes. Susie and Halim have gotten to do quite a bit of traveling together and were my neighbors last year, and we've known each other throughout our time in Cal Poly. We're going to kind of dive into it and just go with some stories about some of the cool places they've been. It's crazy to think it's been a year already, Susie. Yeah, it's definitely flown by, especially these past four months of quarantine. <laughs> It'll be nice to reflect on the good times and sweet memories that you guys have gotten to experience together. I'm excited for this episode. I think we'll get to talk about some pretty awesome things. Yeah, especially in a time where we can't actually travel. It'll be nice to reminisce on all the memories. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've been doing a lot of also recently, like just looking back through like old pictures of our travels, whether it was with Susie or other friends. And it's like a nice way to kind of like disconnect from the present. So I encourage you guys listening. If you, you haven't thought of that, do so. Maybe it'll help you out and, and take you somewhere distant and far away. Definitely. Do you guys want to just give a little bit of background, like kind of where you're working, what you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. So I graduated Cal Poly last year, about a year ago in March from the College of Business. And after college, I traveled a bit with Halim and then in September moved to San Francisco with Halim and started working. I work at a consulting firm called Protivity. So that's what I've been doing the past nine, 10 months now. Yeah. And same as Susie, we actually lived together last two years of college junior and senior year and then we brought that dynamic over to san francisco and continued to be housemates so that's been super fun i work at apple i do finance for them i'm part of a rotational program so i've been going through different teams every couple of months and just kind of learning the ropes and kind of figuring out what i want to do full-time start off my career so that's been interesting it was really great to travel South America together though before life got super real. I don't think people talk about the transition from college to adult life very often. It was definitely a tough, tough transition, especially because you're just like free living the the months after graduating, before work. We went to South America together on a couple of backpacking expeditions. And they were just absolutely life-changing. Can you tell us where you guys went? Yeah, so we first kicked things off in Peru. Where did we fly into, Aline? We We flew into Lima. Oh, yeah. We didn't really spend too much time in Lima, just the night. And then we flew to Cusco, which Cusco was amazing. There's so much culture and great food and the altitude is like insane but that's kind of what makes it so beautiful because you're just like in these crazy mountains how high up are you guys or how high is the city i think it's thirteen thousand. wow uh, feet above sea level susie fact checked me before the audience does but eleven thousand. Eleven thousand oh, feet that's high up though yeah, it's it's super high up and you feel it immediately like getting off the airplane. It's like you feel like compression on your on your chest and like life just feels slower. You walk slower without even meaning to and 
we took like a, a little walking tour. I think it was day two of being in Cusco. And our intention coming in from the start was to spend three nights before starting the Inca Trail to be able to get acclimated to like the, such high altitude because starting like a strenuous hike like that without getting used to the conditions is super warned against. So yeah, we kind of came in knowing what to expect, but like we're definitely shocked by how much altitude played a factor in what we were feeling. It's also not a flat city at all. Like there's so many stairs. And yeah. I think the first night we got there, we were like huffing and puffing after one block of stairs. <laughs> kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And we were like in okay shape. Granted, we should have, I think, trained more, Susie. Like I think I went to go run the base of Bishop like three times before leaving for the trip, like knowing I was going to be trekking for like 40 plus miles over a couple of days in that altitude. I was like, bring it on. But yeah, we definitely felt it the first few days. Hangovers at altitude are not fun. (laughs) I will say that. Yeah, Helene missed out on a cool hike because he was too hungover one morning. (laughs) I like couldn't keep it together. So you got to go to Rainbow Mountain while I stayed like curled up in fetal position in the hostel (laughs) so embarrassing so lesson learned don't drink at high altitude or don't drink too much don't go aggressive yeah don't go aggressive your first few nights in cusco if if there's anything to learn from that so from cusco you guys said you started hiking the inca trail so yeah rainbow mountain was like a one day hike you don't camp or anything it's not too long but the altitude makes it so hard. I had to stop and breathe every, I don't know, a minute to two minutes just to like not pass out. But it's so cool because you're up on the top and it's like sand. And there's so many different minerals in Peru that, especially in this one like mountain where the sand is a bunch of different colors. So it looks like a rainbow. And then in the distance, there's like big mountains covered in snow. And it was just wow. I'm looking at a picture right now. If you're if you're listening to this, take a second and look up Rainbow Mountain, Peru. It's insane. Oh, it's actually seventeen thousand feet. Oh wow! I'm just yeah. I'm gonna stop quoting elevations for the rest of the podcast. Super bummed I missed that, but super stoked that Susie went. I like kept pushing her. I was like, "You have to go, whether or not I go." Yeah, I'm glad I went. I highly recommend if anyone's ever in Cusco. That's one of the cool things, too, about that city is that there's, like, a lot of day trips that you can do or whatever, like, fancies your interest. It's super outdoorsy, and it's a cool, cool little town, very colonial and picturesque in between mountains. Yeah, so it sounds like it was a nice transition. Getting off the flight, getting a little more adjusted to the altitude, and then starting your voyage, your adventure up to the top of Machu Picchu. Yeah. Yeah. 4 a.m. we started. It's a rough start. Yeah. So you can't hike the Inca Trail. We wanted to do the Inca Trail just because it was like the most talked about. And it's the actual only trail that Incas would travel to get to their like sacred site that is Machu Picchu. So you're taking the actual like paved cobblestone like paths that they had created to connect the entire empire. And so that was really cool. So we booked it through like a travel agency that kind of like set up the route. We had like guides and then we had the, we had these basically helpers join us on the trail. They call them Chuskies and they basically like carry most of like the communal camp stuff. So like tents and cooking equipment and fuel and food, they carry it. You're just responsible for your own personal like backpack, sleeping bag and like sleeping mat. So without them, like, I don't know if we could have finished the the actual trail. It was so tough. Yeah, the Trotskys are, like, the most amazing people I've ever seen working. It's, like, they're in little sandals, and they're carrying so much weight, and they're yeah. hiking so fast because they have to get to the next campsite ahead of all of us to set up, set up all the tents, get all the food ready. So they're, like, mobbing up the mountain yeah it's incredible i i agree with you Susie. like i've never seen people actually like work to make a living so hard in my life 
they're wearing sandals too like we were like all geared up like rei like ad basically is what Susie and i looked like with like all our like special equipment <laughs> and then you see these guys like going three times your speed in sandals with three times the weight on their back and you're like oh my god the one thing i will say is if you're ever interested in doing something like this like make sure you're doing it through like a reputable tour agency because there's unfortunately like tours, tour agencies that are known for like exploiting their chaskis and there's definitely like like regulations and legislation in place to like protect these people and so if you go through a tour agency make sure that it's one that abides by those re- regulations and like actually takes care of their people because you definitely want your money going in the right place definitely and i mean it sounds like these chaskis guys were just you know, they probably did this almost every day, but for you guys going up this mountain, climbing this trail, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced mentally, physically? So me and Halima always talk about day two, because day two is like eight hours, pretty much of just going up steps, like going on at an incline. And it's really hard because I think we were carrying all our stuff still at that point. So we had like 20 pounds on us on our back just going upstairs and at really high altitude. And that was really, really difficult. But then once we got to the top, it's called Dead Woman's Pass. It was the biggest accomplishment probably of like the whole trip because it was so hard and it was so worth it. And one thing that I think we weren't expecting going on the Inca Trail was the group of people that we were with. Like part of our core, I think 12 of us total some people from Australia, some other people from the U.S., a woman from Thailand, I think, just from all over the world. And you really, really bond with them because you're eating every meal with them. You're hiking with them the whole day. Like you're doing some of the hardest physical activity with them. And we got really, really close to the people on our hike. So just that day two, getting to the dead woman class with our group was a really, really cool feeling. That is awesome. And I mean, you know, when you go through adversity and challenges like that with people you've probably never met before, I think it brings you so much closer. And it's really cool that you guys got to experience that. Yeah, it was just super, super tough mentally. I think one of the things that like definitely gets you through it is like just the excitement of wanting to get to Machu Picchu, right? At the end of it, you've always seen people's like pictures of how magical and like picturesque it is. And you just want to get there. And the cool thing is that you earn it this way. Because if you want to get to Machu Picchu, but don't want to hike four days, you can take a train to it, you know, like, anyone can go. But I feel like we were kind of going through this like rite of passage, like no pun intended through all these like different pathways that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's just like, a way to connect with history on a, such a different level that like a museum or a sacred site like won't give you just because you're not enduring the physical aspect to to that you know so was there anything specific while you were hiking that you saw that you guys were like wow this is life-changing in a sense or you really just felt connected with that trail was there a, sp- a particular moment or encounter I would say the views are just something that I've never really encountered before. You're you're hiking through the Andean mountains, right? So the nature itself just looks different from anything that we're used to, like in California or maybe the Rockies or the Sierras that we're pretty close to and probably have been most exposed to in terms of mountain ranges living in California. So I would say it's just it was breathtaking, just the kind of nature and valleys and views that you would get by just going on this trail. I would also say, I think it was night three. We get to our campsite and it's, we like change and stuff and our guides are like, come out, all the stars are out. And we walk out of our tent and we're like so high up in elevation that you just, we just felt like we were in the stars basically and the whole entire sky was filled with stars there wasn't like an inch 
of empty space. It was the most I've never impressive. Seen, never seen anything. I like didn't mean to gasp when you started like <laughs> when you brought that up, but it's like the memory of that is just I don't think I I will ever see something like that again. And it was funny because during dinner it was like super cloudy. You couldn't see anything. And so all of a sudden, like, I remember Susie saying, like, Halim, come out, come see this. And I was like, what is it? And I was expecting, like, a llama or, like, <laughs> something that was going to, like, finally eat us, like a puma, you know? <laughs> and, it just, and it was just this incredible night sky. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And the the best part of it was that I wanted to take a picture of it, but my iPhone camera just couldn't capture it. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where it's like, I'm going to have to be content with like the image that I have in the back of my mind. Cause that's all I could like take away from that experience. Going off that point, just like when you get to travel and see things that you've never seen before, you truly are in the moment, you know? Cause like you said, you can't use your camera to capture that. You have to be there, register it and take a mental note, mental picture, and just appreciate the opportunity to get to see something like that. Totally. And I would say like, there's very different, like there's very few sites nowadays where like your iPhone like incredible camera quality and no, I'm not pitching an iPhone because I work <laughs> for Apple. <laughs> but what I'm, I'm trying to get at is that there's very few things that you can't take a picture nowadays and just keep that, that memory snapshot of that moment in time. But that was one of those times that I will forever remember. It was day four when you guys got to the top of Machu Picchu or what day was that? Oh my gosh. To the top of Huayna Picchu. Oh my gosh. Yes. What? <laughs> Adam's like, what? <laughs> There's another one? Please educate me. <laughs> Susie, start from that morning. That was an Well, I'm just going to do morning. a little background. Halim pretty much did all of the planning for this trip and he would tell me we're doing this and I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm down. So, I'd just like, be like, just give me your money through Venmo. <laughs> I'd Venmo yeah, request her. Pretty much. <laughs> so like he had told me we're doing this one thing called Huayna Picchu. Like once we get to Machu Picchu, I was like, okay, cool. Like no problem. So just the backstory and Halib, you want to tell the journey leading up to Huayna Picchu? Oh my God. We'll get there. When we get there, I'll, I'll, I'll take over for that piece. Start us off from that morning though. What time did we wake up? I think it was 4am. I know we were on the trail like before five. Okay. This is the day you get to Machu Picchu. Yeah. We woke up around four. It's pitch black, super dark. We hike the first, what, two and a half hours maybe in the dark like just with headlamps Absolute and flashlights and there's like stairs on the trail like stone stairs and they're slippery like it was wet and it's dark and it's just scary out so our first two and a half hours were going downhill because i think day two you reach the highest point and the rest is downhill yeah. for the most part so we're going down steps we pass like a bunch of llama Kind of reminded me of like Jurassic Park, the look of the whole day, just misty Absolutely. llamas everywhere. Imagine <laughs> dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, replace dinosaurs for llamas and you're in Jurassic yeah, Park. <laughs> just the scenery was insane. And then we get to, they call it the Sun Gate. It was still morning. Like there's a bunch of ruins along the Inca Trail leading to Machu Picchu. So the Sun Gate is another set of ruins where you can have this like really incredible view of Machu Picchu, basically. Unfortunately, when we got there, I think it was pretty cloudy. We didn't get a good view at the Sun Gate. Yeah, we had to keep walking a little bit. When you guys saw it, though, when you saw it in full, what was your initial reaction? I think Halim grabbed my shoulder and gasped. (laughs) I actually think I remember that. Yeah, it was... It was insane, man. Pictures don't do it justice. Like, it's super breathtaking because it's so connected with nature, but it's also just a testament to, like, human ability and, like, what humans have been able to achieve. 
and and to think that they did that without like caterpillar bulldozers and like anything that you probably encounter in like Europe or one of those things you're like wow um how did humans do this but unlike what you see in Europe it's like in the middle of nowhere you know and so that's I think what makes it so unique and so awesome something like I'd never seen before in my life since you guys hiked it, and I know there's, you know, there's multiple options getting to the top. Would you recommend for people to hike it versus to take the train? Yeah, if you think you can do it, it's strenuous. It's really hard, but I think it's one of those like things that no one will ever be able to take away from you is that experience, um, and that's like something that I will forever cherish is that that four days of just strenuous why am I doing this to myself work? It was so worth it. That's yeah, awesome. It's unbeatable. The train ride home though is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I've never been happier on the train. <laughs> it was great. Well, um, yeah. Okay. So we get to Machu Picchu and you do like a little tour of all the ruins and get kind of some background on everything for about an hour. And then we, say to our group okay like see you at the train because we have to go hike wine of pichu so so i broke to Susie. like we get where we've gotten we've been at machu picchu for like an hour and a half it's like still the morning um and we had a like 11 a.m time slot to be able to go to wine of pichu which Mm -hmm. is an even taller peak that is like behind Machu Picchu that you climb literally vertically like a ladder <laughs> to get to the top, which has an awesome view of Machu Picchu and like the from a different perspective. But when we when we booked this, and by we I mean when I booked this, <laughs> I didn't realize we were gonna be dead like after four days. And I didn't realize it was gonna be climbing ladders that have been like etched out of stone and it was like <laughs> kind of sketchy honestly um, yeah, was in sketchy. some moments and we were just exhausted like our feet couldn't take it but up we went and it was awesome it was awesome yeah it was there. worth it yeah definitely worth it definitely. yeah i would say if you're going to machu picchu wine and picchu is also a must super super cool that's awesome. And I don't know if we mentioned this at the beginning, but what was the time frame of your guys' trip? Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. When did you guys take off? We took off at the end of March and went to South America for three weeks. So the plan was we were going to go to Peru for a week and a half, and then we were going to do Chile for a week and a half. The intention of going down to Patagonia, the Chilean side, to, to a national park called Torres del Paine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was great timing because it wasn't that cold, but it wasn't that hot either. And remember that seasons are backwards down there. So we were going at the beginning of fall, I want to say. So it was towards the end of summer. We caught some tail end heat, definitely in, in, in Chile. Santiago was so hot. Remember, Susie? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but for Peru, the best time to do the Inca Trail is like end of March, April, or May. April and May were sold out completely, and we somehow got availability for March. Like the stars aligned, and we were able to book the trip um, during like the best time to go, which is super, super unheard of. Like people plan years and years in advance, Mm -hmm. and we planned like four months in advance. So, wow. Yeah. It's a way to do it in college, right? You kind of just you you find a place and you're like, all right, let's let's make it happen. And you just go. Absolutely, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think one of the best things about a trip is planning it. Like, I it's just so exciting, and you get to like read up about the place that you're going to, and inherently learn about it because of all the planning that you're doing. Um, so I definitely am a big proponent of all you have to do is buy your plane ticket. Like everything else will fall into place. If you, if you're like conditioned to buy a plane ticket somewhere is that you also have to have all the other details like figured out. You're not going to go anywhere. You mm-hmm. know, especially as a college student, like we're kind of used to kind of like going through life, like 
I don't know, making plans for like that weekend at max <laughs> and, and, and that's it. So yeah, for, for this kind of travel, like I think that's definitely the way to do it. So from Machu Picchu, you guys went down to Chile after that? Well, we went to the Amazon in Peru, but we don't talk about it. We almost got eaten by a caiman, which is like an alligator. So now we're scarred. Yeah, we went to this place called Puerto Maldonado, and it's in the Peruvian Amazon. And to be honest, it was such a weird experience. Like we found this lodge through TripAdvisor. So we thought we were going to be chilling. It was like... Wait, let's put... He found the lodge because I didn't do any planning. So I'll take the credit when things go well, but then I'll go. We, yeah. I'll say we when things go bad. <laughs> That's how that works. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was super spooky. Like we were the only people at this lodge, aside from this like apparently like this Canadian dude that was happened to be leaving the day we arrived. I think he was planted, Susie. If I'm looking back on it, wow. It was just super spooky. There was no electricity bugs the size of chihuahuas like not mm-hmm. great so after experiencing a lodge like that what advice can you give as far as booking places on TripAdvisor? were there any indicators after the fact that you guys stayed there that you realized all right maybe this is not the best place that we stayed at honestly looking back like i think a lot of the lodges in that area were similar like we were in the middle of the amazon so it was really mm. cool that we got to be staying in the amazon and actually be in nature and obviously we're in we're not in america you know there's not going to be electricity or hot water stuff like that and it's kind of all part of the experience and looking back like we could have stayed somewhere a little bit better but it made it all the more fun and a real experience of that town i think definitely it's very underdeveloped for tourists i think they're just taking off we were talking with like the lodge operator and they're like saying that their hope is that one day it'll be kind of like Costa Rica where it's like so in touch with nature, but also so like well-developed for tourism. It's definitely got a couple more years to go before it gets there. Um, so if anything, Susie and I are trendsetters. <laughs> yeah. Influencers. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but from there, we went to Chile. And then it was incredible. For the rest of the time, yes. So let's hear a little bit about that part. Our love for Santiago, like. <laughs> oh my gosh, we we were like looking up apartments to live in in Santiago while we were there. <laughs> At least I was. I was like, I love Santiago because it's pretty modern and it's a big city and there's a lot of really cool there's nightlife there's culture good weather it's just an incredible city but it's also still south america you know there's still all this really cool culture and vibrance to it so i was a big big fan of santiago and it was a good kind of break from being out in the wilderness and hiking and just getting a little rejuvenated for our next hiking trip it was perfect can you tell us a little bit what Santiago is like as a city? Because I've personally never been before. Yeah, 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 totally. So yeah, that's where we flew in. It's the capital of Chile, very metropolitan, like Susie said. And it's very like spread out, kind of like Los Angeles. There's definitely like a downtown area. And we stayed kind of more on the like young hipster side of town that we that we read about. And it was really great. I liked where we where we stayed. Lots of great nightlife. People from all over the world. Chile has one of the strongest economies in South America. So a lot of Venezuelan immigrants escaping the situation in their country. Lots of people from all over South America, really. A lot of people spoke English. Very international. Very metropolitan. Yeah, it was, it was great. We were there for how many days? Three? Three to four I think days? Four. Maybe three yeah, nights. We, Three nights, I think, is what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did like a city tour. Oh, one thing that I like learned about on this trip was that I never knew about was like free walking tours, and like had never heard of them. And maybe that was just me, but 
they were so popular in Chile. And so we did uh, two of them. It was great because you get to like learn about the city and then you like, you're basically tipping at the end, but it was a great way to kind of like get used to like Santiago and how the Metro worked and whatnot. Cause we ended up taking the Metro out to wine tasting like the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and that was super fun. And we saved a ton of money uh, thanks to this walking tour. So mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I've done a few of those, I think, in, like, Europe, Adam. I'm sure you've done some, too. And yeah, it's I've a done good, a few. Yeah, and it's, I mean, locals are the one leading it, and they have all these tips that you would never find on the internet. And it kind of paves the way for the rest of your trip, so highly recommend those. They have them in pretty much every big city. Yeah, especially if you're going on a budget, you know, like, you, you learn a lot. And like you said, you got to learn how to use a metro. If you guys didn't go on that tour, you probably would have paid for a taxi or Uber, whatever they had down there. Totally. What was different culturally in Chile than in the United States? Like, What initially off the bat kind of threw you off or was an obstacle or something that really like was a culture shock? That's probably the best word. I, I mean, for me, I think Santiago, of all the places we went, was the least culture shock. There were mm. a lot of similarities to my life in San Francisco, honestly. Yeah. And currency. Yeah. Mm. What, what's the currency there? I think it's Chilean pesos. I think you're right. The exchange was funky. That was like hard to get, wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. I think one of the first things that I try to like memorize is like what the exchange is in like the country that I'm in. Peru was easy because it was three solas. So you see something posted yeah. and it's like divided by three and that's what it is in American dollars. But mm -hmm. um, in Chile, when we went at the time, I think it was 660 pesos. So it'd be like a thousand pesos would be a dollar fifty. Um, and that's just like a weird, it was a weird conversion to like do in your, in your head quickly, but. Chile is also pretty expensive or like more expensive than Peru. So we definitely balled out. We went wine tasting one day. That's so fun. The <laughs> taxi driver that drove us from like the metro to like the vineyard was like, do you want me to stay with you guys all day? Like I could be your driver. And we were like, yes. <laughs> and so we had a driver that waited for us outside the wineries. It was just obscene. We were like, and it felt so like, awesome just because we'd been in the mountains we'd been in the amazon getting stung by like whatever and all of a sudden we're like giving ourselves this like ultimate like luxury of just like having a driver while we're wine tasting and we're college students we had just graduated from cal Poly. like we were like this is not what life should be like but we love it <laughs> Helene do you remember we were at the winery and it was like this courtyard and we were just we must have been looking like really bougie or something but this family from China it was this Chinese family like they didn't really speak English I don't think came up to us and asked if they could take a picture of us like I think they thought <laughs> that we were celebrities and we were like yes we were like, yes of course <laughs> and, like posed for them <laughs> That's so funny. I think I have those pictures. Those pictures are just unreal. Uh, just because it's like, what is happening? This is ridiculous. Yeah. But, Can um, we talk a little bit about the, was it Chilean wine or Argentinian wine that you guys were drinking? No, Chilean wine. Chilean. Let's hear a little bit about it. Oh, bomb. Holy, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what's yeah. the type of wine that is really only grown in Chile? That um, it's called Carmenera. So it's um, apparently a variation of Merlot that was brought over by French and Italian, or I think it was French, immigrants to, to uh, Chile. And um, quickly it kind of did really well in that environment. And so Chile is known for their Carmenera. It's really yummy. Um, but then they do like all sorts like Sauv Blanc, I think, is something that they were also very famous for. Um, we went to uh, Concha y Toro, which is like I'm sure you can find that wine in like Trader Joe's. It's like the biggest wine exporter in South America, actually. And we had like a vault tour of like where they have like their reserve, and it was super, super great. It was an awesome day to just kick back and kind of take in 
like the great weather and and some good Chilean wine that we were really looking forward to. Yeah, I'm sure that was like you said, it was a nice transition from that treacherous hike to yeah. get to enjoy enjoy a little bit of luxury. Oh yeah. But then we did it to ourselves again. We flew down to the tip of South America. I loved checking, like opening my Google Maps and like seeing where the dot was and like zooming out because we were at the very, very tip. We flew into Punta Arenas, Chile, and then we took a bus to Puerto Natales, which is the base of the hike that we did called the W Trek um, in Torres del Paine National Park. And that was next level, like completely different type of landscape, completely different type of weather, a much longer trail that we actually ended up completing in three days, planned for four, three days. Not by choice. (laughs) Not by choice, but forced by weather. Um, But yeah, Susie, do you want to start off that that trip? Yeah, sure. So I, I think the first thing I remember from that like start of the journey was the wind that we experienced like just leaving our hostel walking from the bus stop to our hostel it was insane we were like walking down the street like oh my god what have we gotten ourselves into we're about to go on a four-day hike in like 70 mile per hour wind it was insane this is like antarctic wind (laughs) yeah (laughs) so we're like like so nervous but we seriously got so so lucky with weather I guess the three days that we did all of our hiking was sandwiched in between two pretty like massive storms so we like got insanely lucky so we started off I remember like we go to the bus stop was it a two-hour bus ride into the park yeah and then we got on that catamaran and the water was just breathtakingly blue Cause this is all glacier water. Yes. Oh my Cause God. there's, so on this trip, I learned what a glacier was. I thought a glacier was an iceberg. <laughs> and so I thought it was going to be a floating, like massive, like ice that we would see. But there was literally like a glacier in between mountains, like creating and probably expanding the valley even more, like continuing what it's been doing for millions of years. And I was just, that was the first time I'd seen one of those. So that was pretty spectacular. But yeah, super bright blue water that we're taking a catamaran to like the end of the W Trek um, to start our hike. Um, And so that first day was like an out and back loop um, to, I forget what the glacier's name was, but um, it was so cool. Super, super cool. Yeah, I I think we we like ran out of time, so we couldn't go to the very end. I we kind of had day. to turn around. Yeah, yeah, we just ran ran out of daylight. But I also remember, Susie, this was the first day where I was like, "Oh my gosh, okay, so like altitude is not going to be an issue on this hike. It's just going to be the mileage, mm-hmm. right? Like completely different obstacle here, because I think the Inca Trail was like no more than." Thirty-five miles, maybe. Yeah, thirty-five to forty miles, probably. Here, I think we were trying to hit sixty. Wow. um, Or like fifty, something like that. So you guys bumped up the mileage and did it in less days. And we did it in three days instead of four. Yeah, that was the first day that I was like, okay, this is going to be a different kind of tough. But yeah, but I remember we cooked the same meal every day. We had pasta with tuna. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, so this time around, we didn't have chaskis or we didn't have a chef. Oh, my gosh. We didn't talk about in Peru how they would wake us up, Susie. They oh, would bring coffee. coffee to our tent and pour us coffee in a, in a cup. And so it was just obscene. It was, it was awesome. But this is, this is not like that anymore. Yeah, but it was kind of like a cool experience because we would finish a long day of hiking and then cook our own meal together and enjoy it and it looking back it was it was a really cool experience i'm glad absolutely so you guys you guys stay in a hostel when you were down in patagonia no just the night before we kind of started the hike so we would camp every night 
and they have campsites like in the designated W Trek trail. So mm-hmm. most of the people that were at our campsite were also doing the W Trek kind of on the same schedule as us, I would say. Yeah. I remember the second the the second day, so the first after the first night we woke up and do you remember that sunrise over the lake, the lake right in front of our campsite? That was incredible. Unreal. Yeah. I have some pretty cool pictures. The sunrise and sunsets were, were really, really incredible. Just because the sky was so clear. Mm-hmm. I think we were in the eye of the storm for sure on those three <laughs> days. So the sky was just really pretty. The second day was when we met the German lady for the first time. Going oh, up to yeah. Mirador Britannico. What was her name? Petra. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the pronunciation is, it was the hardest part. Yeah, we were hiking second day and we we just saw this woman. I think we took a picture of her or we asked her to take a picture of us. Something. Sounds just like had that. like a brief exchange. How are you? Little did we know she would be the highlight of our trip just two days later on the last day. Her husband, Norbert and Petra, they're a little German couple that honestly on the last day, like without them, we probably wouldn't have made it to the end. Definitely Because not. like we said, the storm, there was a storm coming on the last day. The end of the hike was supposed to be this amazing view. But on the fourth day, the storm was going to be blocking it. So we just decided to do two days worth of hiking in the third day, which was a lot of hiking. They had yeah. the same plan as us of like summiting the last day. And they're like 50. And yeah. Like 20. <laughs> <laughs> they were, yeah, they, they were def- definitely different like stage of life as us, but like still like on the same journey, which was kind of cool. Um, and I think that's one of the things we learned on this is like we putting yourself in that situation kind of like makes you equitable with everybody else, which is something that in society, I think we don't really like encounter very often. You know, who has more money than you, you know, who has more status or power than you. But in situations like these, everyone's just trying to make it to the end, you know, and, and probably like keep their ankles from rolling that much. <laughs> and like, those are your two priorities, you know, and like, I think that was a testament to like they wanted to summit during a clear day. We did too. And we kind of teamed up and like were motivation to one another and kind of kept each other honest and pushing the entire time, which is really cool. Yeah. So that second day was when we first met her going up to like this beautiful view, ended up coming back down and and settling camp. And then we ran into her and her husband this time because he wasn't with her that third day. And so after we decided to summit and kind of, keep together we quickly started like making friends and i would push pictures of them like i'd be like here give me your phone let me take a picture (laughs) of you (laughs) because they were like not taking pictures together and i was like this is such a cool moment right and then while i asked them so like germans typically are very like reserved more serious in my experience and so in their pictures i would be like kiss (laughs) (laughs) well i'm waiting to take the picture of them and like the first time he was he like literally froze up and was so uncomfortable (laughs) but petra was kind of like about the idea of (laughs) of like the kiss (laughs) and then she like put his arm her because they would like stand next to each other they wouldn't even like hug or like put an arm around each other for the picture oh and the best part was i was taking the picture with an ipad too <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so i'm like screaming like this in patagonia with an ipad with like a german couple not wanting to like touch on the picture it was like such a such a great a picturesque scene. moment <laughs> yeah it was such a great scene um so that the first time that happened i didn't get them to kiss unfortunately little did they know that like when we would summit to the actual torres del Paine, so it's like these four peaks i think it was of just like very pointy rock and then at their base there's like glacier uh, like a glacier lake and it's what the park's named after so we ended up summiting after i think it was 22 miles of hiking in total that day um we ended up making it up there and 
when we make it up there, it's just spectacular. We barely made the cutoff because you had to like make it to the base of that trail by like 3 p.m. Otherwise, you were racing against the sun at that point. And so we were like, okay, we have to go up. We have to make it. And so when we finally did, the first thing that Norbert asked me, he's like, Halim, can you take a picture of me and Petra? And I was like, (laughs) of course, but you already know my rule. And he goes, yes, I know. And so then then I like go for the picture. And then in the second picture, they kissed. A couple of days later, we had exchanged contacts or whatever. It was his WhatsApp profile picture, him and his wife kissing in front of Torres of Pine. It was awesome. It was super great. That's so cool. I miss them. Yeah. We have to, we decided we were going to go to Frankfurt to go visit them. That's where they're from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We like went out and, and got beers with them the day after our hike too. So we really bonded. When we got, when we got back to town. Yeah. Susie, do you want to tell Adam about when we got to our camp finally after hiking the 22 miles that day? Oh my God. I think it was 22 miles to Torres del Paine. It's almost a marathon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, were like, we hiked we were, for 13 hours. Wow. Like nonstop. Yeah. We were beat and it was delirious. Like actually delirious. Yeah. It was getting dark and we were approaching the campsite like thank god we have arrived could not go any farther and we get there to like the check-in or whatever and they start talking to us they're like yeah the storm last week it destroyed all of the tents that we had and we we were just like that's not that's not not funny like that's not not funny funny. (laughs) like I, i probably could have screamed i was like on the verge of just going berserk and then he like transitions he's like we'll give you a free night in the refugio which is like a hotel room basically so there's two ways you can do the w trek in patagonia you can do the the w trek as a poor college student which is what we opted for and even then we kind of splurged a little bit because we ended up like reserving campsites with the tent already built because what we thought is we'll save time and effort if we don't have to pitch our own tent and like carry it with us too, just like from a weight perspective. So we splurged a little bit on that, but you could also go through this trek and like at each campsite, there's like a lodge where I think the night was like $150 and then you had to get food. Like you couldn't bring Mm. your own food. You have to buy their food. So it was really expensive. It would have been like another like $600, $800 um, on top of everything that we were paying. But we got it for free (laughs) the last day after hiking 22 miles. We literally like couldn't believe our luck. We were so stoked. And so we walk into this lodge and it's a completely like different type of scene. Like it's like older people, like. We had a bed. There were showers. We had a bed. Everyone was, was clean warm. and we were dirty. Like, <laughs> we, were, we smelled so bad. Yeah, it was it was bad. These people had been showering every day, like, of their hike because they're staying in a lodge, whereas we were kind of just roughing it. Like, baby wives were our best friend, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was so, so needed, though. We, like, slept the whole day. We woke up super late hung out by the like the the campfire or not the campfire the the fireplace that they had in the lodge luxurious super super (laughs) yeah well i think to to wrap up this episode do you guys want to tell us like your biggest takeaways from that trip i know you guys experienced a lot and i'm sure you could talk about it for hours on advice and takeaways but if you could think of the main point that you could share with the people listening, what would you say was the biggest takeaway from that trip? For me, I have a little bit of a broader view of Latin America, just because I was born in Venezuela and moved to the U.S. and basically grew up in the U.S., but nonetheless, like, have always had a pretty close-knit affiliation with, like, my roots and whatnot. But I think one of the biggest takeaways was this is my first time returning to South America since leaving when I was a little kid, right? In essence, this was gonna my first impression of South America outside of the news and what we're fed, right? And I think it was just really cool to see complete two completely different cultures. In Peru, the people 
look different, act different, cook different, treat people different, right, than they do in Chile. And each culture and society has something different to offer. So I was really happy that we got to see something that was two very different views of Latin America. I feel like here in the U.S. we kind of compile Latin America, South America into like this one like stereotype idea that we have. But getting out there and actually seeing it for myself like was such a great way to like prove that wrong. So I would encourage anyone listening to once this whole Corona thing is over, like actually book a trip out to like anywhere in South America, obviously like read and make sure that it's like safe. And even if it's a little sketchy, like relative to the US, anything is going to be sketchy. Like Europe is the sketchiest in my opinion. I got pickpocketed in Europe and not in South America, you know, so get out there, check it out and absolutely take it in. Cause I mean, Latin America is just incredible. So I would say when you travel, like go big, like do really big excursions or activities that really push you out of your comfort zone, whether that's like doing a big hike and going out of your physical comfort zone or going and meeting new people from other countries and grabbing drinks with them or something. Just do something that you wouldn't normally do in your everyday life because those kind of moments are the ones that will really stick. And then secondly, I know like as a college student, money is very tight sometimes and saving is important. But what's the point of saving if you're not going to use that money to do something really cool like travel? So especially in college, I think you should just use your minimum wage money and try to make a trip happen because you'll, you won't regret it at all. And try, try all the food you possibly can when you're in a country. Well, we want to thank you guys for being on the show. And I think we'll get to do this again soon. Talk about some other trips you guys have been on. But I mean, for me, I, I know we've gotten to talk about this trip quite a bit, but I learned a lot of new things. And it's really cool to get to really dive into each trip every day and get to hear your experience, hear your reactions and the struggles that you go on because you have pictures that look great, but you know, there's a story behind every picture. So we really appreciate you guys being on today and we'll do this again soon. Thanks for having cool. us. Yeah. Thanks Adam. Best of luck with the rest of the pursuit. I've been enjoying it so far. So good job. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode today. We had a blast talking about Halim and Susie's trip. And I hope you guys got some great takeaways are inspired to go to South America now. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at the Pursuit Podcast Official, and we hope you guys have a great day.